0: very happy to have each and every one of you here with us and welcome to those who are watching online today as well. All right, I'd like to invite everybody to stand. We'll have a word of prayer and get started with the worship. Lord, we thank you for bringing us all together here today safely. I want to thank you for everything you have done in our lives throughout the week and everything we know you will continue to do. We ask that you come be in our midst today as we worship you. In your name we pray. Amen. Dream. Mm-hmm. Everybody right, take a second, and turn around and say hello to somebody. you're here if you're new here go ahead and pick up one of these forms from the seat back in front of you fill it out and drop it in the offering bag as it goes through
1: we will be cooking hot dogs and helping with the franklin trunk or treat at franklin park october 21st from four thirty to 7 come help us serve franklin
0: The annual Hayride and Bonfire is coming up October 15th at 5 p.m. Bring a friend and some food to share. Join us for an evening of fellowship and fun. Thanks for watching the announcements. If you need any more information, go to our website or pick up a
1: bulletin. Thanks for being here and enjoy the service. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to fall part one or whatever it is, right? My Hawaiian shirts, I couldn't wear one today. So I'm, I should have, but I, I didn't. A um, couple things. Next week's the Ride, So that was on the thing. So at five o'clock, I think. So bring food to grill or whatever and... We will get in a wagon and just ride around in circles. It's exciting. Kids come, and so it's it's fun for the whole family. Um, Few uh, decided if all of you have not been baptized yet, we're going to baptize inside on the last Sunday of the month. So that'll be good. Um, different people to pray. My memorial service for my aunt is this afternoon at five o'clock. So if, if you know, my, my mother, my uncle died in March, my mother died in July, my one uncle died the seventh of September, and my aunt died the twenty-eighth. Part of the fun. Went to Kentucky and bought a tombstone. It was an awesome experience. Went to a guy's house. He had the tombstones out by his fence. And and then the the wife did everything they, they hadn't heard of computers there yet, so in that part. So anyway, so the lady did it. But it was it was interesting. Right? Exciting to buy tombstones, yes yeah. Um think that's it. Prayer hey John John's brother passed away, so John's sitting back there in the blue shirt. just sit right there. Go stick your hands on his shoulder. We're going to pray for him, all right? His brother passed away. Is that okay, John? What's, I'm sorry I didn't ask you ahead of time. We do this sometimes. When people lose people, we, we just want to encourage people, okay? So, God, I just pray that you'd be with John. Lord, I thank you that his brother is with you. And I pray, Lord, that you would just uh, give him peace and comfort. Thank you, Lord, for the relationship that he and his brother had. And just I pray you'd bless him, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, um, who do the Bengals play today? Who? Arizona. Who do the Browns play? Bye week They're going to do good. Yeah. 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 Any other teams you want to pray for? Who said that? Please pray for the Steelers. I, you know, I'm sorry. I'm never going to pray for the Steelers, but... <laughs> Oh, man, wow, that, wow, that's, I don't ever think we ever had that prayer request before. God bless the Steelers, how's that, all right? All right, let's say a prayer for the offering. So, Lord, just thank you that we can come and fellowship and love each other and encourage each other, and, and God, I pray that you just uh, bless this offering, Lord, uh, bless the, uh, what you're going to do with how you touch people's lives, in Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> the Steelers. One thing I forgot, Anthony, back there's Anthony, stand up, won his first professional fight last week in Miami, Florida. That's all I want to say.
2: we doing? Uh, If you have a Bible, turn with me to Matthew chapter 5. If you're a guest, my name is Mark, and they let me talk here sometimes. And we are in a series called What If Jesus Was Serious, which I think that he was. So, you guys doing all right? You guys got weird the minute I came up here. I just feel like... So... I've had a wild couple of days. Do you ever feel like your problems are the problems? Yeah? So we've been having car problems. My our, our wife's car keeps overheating, and the radiator blew. So so I fixed it, or I thought I fixed it. And uh, so I switched out the radiator, and everything was great. And then Friday night, it blew again. So obviously it's not just the radiator, it's something else, which I don't know what it is. And then um so that happened. I don't know why I'm telling you guys this. And then yesterday I'm washing my dog and because he's got fleas and I'm trying to get rid of these fleas and I he had these mats underneath his neck and so I was trimming them and then I accidentally like slit his throat. <laughs> he didn't die. He didn't even he didn't even do anything. I actually he was just like keeps looking at me like thank you. And then all of a sudden I see all this blood in the water. I'm like ah and like I just killed my daughter's dog like so we took him to the hospital. He's fine. And so I was like super stressed out and then I got news that my friend um got really hurt bad. And it kind of just put everything in perspective for me. Right? You ever have that happen where you think your problems are the problems and then you wake up to like real things going on that are really bad. And so um my friend got injured in a jiu-jitsu competition and um hurt really bad neck injury and there was a big chance he could be paralyzed but they I just got word just a minute ago that his he's getting movement in his arms and legs again so that's a super important and so if you guys could keep him in your prayers, his name's Caleb. I'd really appreciate it. He's one of our teammates. And, um, yeah, but it was just one of those moments that kind of just, like, oh, yeah, it's okay. Your car's okay. It'll be fine. At least you're not paralyzed, you know, that kind of a thing. We'll be praying for him. So if you're a guest, I always like to start off with just a little bit of silence before we get going. Um, if a baby's crying, that that's okay. We'll give the baby a pass. But if you're like me, you bring stuff here, you bring stuff into this room, stresses and anxieties and worries and, and no answers. And, and I think that it's just a good thing to learn to open our hearts to God and to allow God into those types of things. So I always like to start off with a little bit of, of silent prayer, uh, before we get started. So make yourself comfortable and I'll, uh, pray here and we'll sit here in God's presence for a bit. If you fall asleep, it's all good. So Father, we just thank you for this morning and Holy Spirit, we just ask that you come, that you just meet us here in this moment. So, Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you that we can come and and gather and share our our burdens with one another so that we don't have to carry them alone. Um, We ask that you just be with us this morning as we open up your word and reflect and ask the question, what does it mean for us today? And, Holy Spirit, we ask that you just bless our time. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Men, Today we're going to talk about what does it mean to be a Christian in our culture. And so, beginning in Matthew 5, verse 13, You are the salt of the earth. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples and the, the crowd that had gathered around. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand. And it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. This past week, I overheard a conversation at the gym that I train at and teach at. Um one of the kids he 's Catholic, and they 're having this argument about whether or not Catholics are Christians or not, and so you guys ever heard this so they 're having this argument about whether or not these and this kid he 's very devout Catholic and great guy and uh he was like yeah we 're we 're Christians, we follow Jesus and that kind of thing, and this other guy was arguing with him like no i don 't think that you guys are Christians.' Um, i heard and he's not even this guy who was making the argument against him he does not even he's not even anything he just likes to argue and uh so he's just like no i heard you guys aren't christians that that you guys are in a cult and you pray to to mary and that the pope is the antichrist and and they're having this back and forth conversation and so because i'm a pastor i'm the resident expert in all religious arguments at our gym. And so they come and they're like, hey, Mark, what do you think? Are are Catholics Christians? And I'm like, yeah. Like, of course they're Christians. Like, if they might do it, they do it differently than I do, but they're Christians. And and my other friend goes, ah, I don't think that they are. My, my Christian friends, and he goes, but they were crazy too. He goes, they were kind of cultish. He goes, when I was a kid, we would go to the mall and, uh, he goes, they thought they had magic. I was like, what are you talking about? What kind of Christians think they have magic? He goes, man, we would go to the mall and they would see people that were in wheelchairs and they would be like, hey, we're going to heal this person. And he goes, no, nah, he goes, man, it was the most embarrassing thing in the world. He goes, we would go up to just random people in the mall in wheelchairs and they would pray for them and then tell them to get up and walk out of their wheelchairs. He goes, And it never happened. He goes, and these poor people would look look at him like, what are you doing? He goes, and then sometimes they would be like, well, the the reason why you can't get up is because you don't have enough faith. He goes, and he's like, I was like, right then and there, he goes, I decided never being a Christian. And I was like, well, I won't blame you, honestly, right? And so I, I say that to say this. How are we to act in the world? As followers of Jesus, in a world that's crazy, how are we called to interact? Do we argue about which religion is right and point the finger at other people and say, no, they're wrong and we're right? Or is that what we're called to do? Or are we called to, to run around? And, and I, I do think we should pray for people, but I don't think we call them out if they don't get healed. Right? Like. How are we to interact? Are we to simply just bash people on Facebook when we don't agree with their theologies? Like, how how are we called to interact and to live as Christians in the world that we find ourselves with? And so my question I want to try to get at this morning is this. What does it look like to be a Christian? In our modern culture. Now to, to begin, I want to look at the very first verse of chapter five, which dad read last week. Because I think it's important that we understand the way that Jesus operated versus the way that oftentimes we think that we should. What's interesting about Jesus is that when he came to this earth, he didn't set up a meeting with the Pope, or with, excuse me, with uh, with the Caesar, right? He didn't say, hey, I'm going to sit down with the Caesar, and we're going to get this stuff s- situated and, s- and straightened out, and we're going to pass some policies, and we're going to get this figured out, right? He didn't, he didn't meet with those types of people. He didn't sit down with Pilate and was like, hey, this is what I think we should be doing in Israel. Like, he didn't do that. Notice what it says here. It says, now, when Jesus saw the, and what's it say? The crowds. He went upon a mountainside and sat down, and his disciples came to him, and he began to teach them, the them meaning his disciples, and just the randoms who decided they wanted to follow him around, right? And so what's interesting about Jesus is that Jesus doesn't go to the elites, just simply to the elites, He doesn't go to the 1%. He doesn't just simply go to the middle class. He doesn't simply go to the the least and last. He goes to whom? He goes to all of them, right? Does that make sense? So we have a diagram from the book that, that this series is based from that illustrates this. And so you have your 1%, right? You have those, I don't know, those people that influence things and who the, and politicians they're they're in it with those people. They're they're making moves and, and changing things and all those the the ones who kind of try to dictate and, and make the big decisions that affect all of us. You have those people in the world. Then you have your elites. You have the Elon Musks of the world, which that guy man, he's wild, right? This cat's got satellites in the sky, and he's messing up Twitter. Like it's, like he's all over the place. We're at, uh, we were watching a football game at my friend's house in the backyard a couple of weeks ago, and he has this. What's it called, Pat? Starlink. Have you guys seen the Starlink? What does it even do? Okay, it's internet. I don't, I don't know what it is. Here is my experience of it. I felt like like I was in a a movie, like the gods must be crazy or something. We're sitting in the backyard and all of a sudden these things start moving across the sky and they're in a row. It looks like a convoy of spaceships or satellites or whatever. I don't even know what they were. I guess they're satellites and they just keep coming and coming and I'm like, Oh, no, what is, we didn't know what it was. Like, what is this? And someone's like, oh, that's Elon Musk's Starlink thing. And my buddy Joe, who's hilarious, he's like, is this going to happen forever? Like, are they just going to be out there for the rest of our lives just spinning around? And I was like, I have no idea, right? Needless to say, I I don't know why I'm talking about Elon Musk right now. Needless to say, there are certain people in the world that have big ideas and big dreams and big ambitions and a lot of resources, and they get things moving and do all kinds of wild stuff. And then you have us, right? We're just a bunch of hicks from Franklin or wherever you're from. If you're, if you're close to the river, you're my people. If you're out there in the land of milk and honey like Lebanon, well, you know. You're probably more in that elite group. But you know, this this middle class groups. And then you have those who struggle that are poor and those people are welcome here as well. And and you have all these groups of people. And the way that our world works is I'm not going to talk to these folks here because who cares about their opinion and they don't really have an influence and who really cares what they think. And in our world... If we want to make change, then we go to the top tier people, right? What's interesting about Jesus is he went to everybody. Now, this has implications on two sides, in my opinion. Number one, in our day-to-day lives, we should often, we should model the way that Jesus acted, right? To him... He didn't care about your status. He didn't care if you were top tier or bottom of the barrel. He treated you with love and dignity regardless where you found yourself on the hierarchy of status. Does that make sense? Right? But then it also has implications for our own personal lives. Meaning this. I don't have to worry about being famous or being rich, or whatever, whatever, to be loved and accepted by my maker. I don't have to earn my way. Does this make sense to you guys? And so perhaps you could say it like this. If Jesus was serious, and I think that he was, then we will value an ordinary life more than a famous one, or an extraordinary one. or or chasing status. And we will value an ordinary life in everyone else that we meet because oftentimes we want to hang, we want to gravitate towards those that are higher in the hierarchy than those who are lower. Does this make sense? I have a friend, (laughs) he's a goofball, but he would, He'd always say things like he would, when we would this when we were younger, he'd be like, I want to go where the beautiful people are. Where are the beautiful people at? And he'd always make this statement. I'm just like, man, you're such a weirdo. And then um, I've been, I have another friend right now. He's in the midst of buying a new car. And he wants to buy a Lexus. And I was looking at it and somebody else that was on this group text says, man, that thing looks like a Camry with a different Different grill. And he's like, no, it's not a Camry. It's Lexus. And so I chimed in because I just love to harass him. And I'm like, well, technically Lexus is owned by Toyota and it's a Camry. You're just going to pay an extra 30 grand because you want status, right? Does that make sense? But Jesus doesn't care about that. He doesn't care about the car that you drive doesn't care about the clothes that you wear. He doesn't care about how much money you have in the bank. It can be a lot, it can be none. What does Jesus care about? Jesus cares about what's going on here. Right? And so this frees us up. It frees us up to one be okay with who we are regardless of where we're at and it frees us up to not be intimidated or look down on other people but see Past that facade into that deeper place where we all dwell. Yeah? And so if Jesus was serious, then all of us, when it comes to interacting with the culture, we don't care about status. We just engage wherever we're at with the people in our lives. We learn to value an ordinary life more than a famous or extraordinary life. Good? But then he continues. He says to them that you are the salt of the earth and you are the light of the world. Now, in our culture, salt and light are just whatever, right? You get... Salt on your fries at McDonald's. If you're my wife, you get extra salt. I don't know how she stands it. Makes me sick. But it's just something that we throw on our food. No big deal. And light, Hey, you just turn on the light. But in the ancient world, where you don't have electricity, you don't have refrigeration, salt and light are essentials to the survival of the people. In the ancient world, salt was used to preserve. It was used to heal. It's stuff that you would put on a wound, or it's ways that you would preserve your food so that you can have food in the wintertime when, you know, it's cold outside. And light, well, it did two things. One, it illuminated a room or a, a city so that you could see, so that you wouldn't get jumped in an alley, and you could be able to find your glasses while you're trying to read or whatever. And also, in the ancient world, light would come from a fire, and so what would it bring? It would bring warmth. It was the way that you could cook your food. And so it was, it was essential to have salt and to have light. Now, metaphorically speaking, what is Jesus doing here? Well, Jesus is saying, hey, you are the salt of the earth. You are meant, if you're going to follow me, you are meant to bring healing to this world. The broken relationships that surround us. We are called to be ministers of reconciliation, bringing healing to the people in our lives. We are called to preserve these relationships and, and the ways that they, they interact and but then he also talks about we are to illuminate, we are light, we are to shine light so that people that are lost in darkness can begin to find their way again. For those whose souls have grown cold, we bring a warmth that and opens them up in a way that they perhaps have never experienced before. And so perhaps you could say it like this, salt is about bringing justice and light is about evangelism. Salt is about reconciliation and relationships. And what does justice do? Justice brings reconciliation. That's the point. And so it can be individual justice and it can be social justice, right? It can connect to your kid's Kids fight, you guys' kids fight? I thought we were done when my son graduated high school. I was wrong. They still fight like they're three years old. I told him the other day, I said, you guys have to hold hands until you get over it because I'm done with this. So it can be as little as learning how to bring reconciliation with with your little ones that are just having a a fight in the house to, like, Big Palestine, Israel, the world that we live in, messed up stuff, learning how to bring reconciliation to those peoples. This makes sense. And, and so, and so for us as a church here, justice is important. Helping the poor is important. I was reading a statistic this week about about kids in in America and the percentage, I can't remember what the percentage was, but it was insane, about how they only get one meal, most kids only get one meal a day and it's usually at school. And that we live in the, the wealthiest, most successful country in the history of the world and yet we have a, such a high percentage of kids who are hungry every day. Well, that's not, you know, Saying a prayer so you go to heaven when you die—that's not going to fix that. We are called to be salt, to do things and set up things so that that doesn't happen. Does that make sense? I, I was reading another statistic about violence and poverty, and that if you if you made under—I can't remember the amount of money—if if a household made under a certain amount of money, the The possibility of there being domestic violence in that house was astronomical. And the the correlation or the the way that it related between income and violence. You know, and, you know, if you're not poor, you don't know. If you're not poor, you don't know what people go through. Well, what is that? That's a social issue. And we are called as Christians to be the salt, to bring reconciliation. We are called to, to step into these situations and try to, as best as we can, and whatever that looks like, to help fix those types of things. But then we also have friends that are lost. They're just lost. And in those moments, we've been called to, to be liked, To bring good news, to evangelize, it comes from the word evangelical, or euangelion is the Greek, and it means good news. You and I are called to proclaim good news to people who feel downtrodden, or lost, or marginalized, or they have no purpose or meaning, or their hearts have been broken. We are called to live in such a way where we speak good news into their lives, bringing them hope so that they can find joy. Does this make sense? Now, what's interesting about this is that there are a lot of churches that split because of these things. There are some people that will tell you, nah, social justice, we're not into that. That's, that's communism. We don't want to mess around with that. And then obviously, being American, we hate communists. So we'll we'll hear that and like, oh, of course, right? So you have like very serious, famous preachers that will say, no, we're not doing any of that social justice stuff. The Bible's not about social justice at all. And it's about saying a prayer so you can get saved, so you can go to heaven when you die and not go to hell. And that's it, period, point blank. Where you'll have other people, like Dad was speaking about, what was the guy's name? Booth? William Booth, who was the founder of the Salvation Army, he was in London. He couldn't sleep one night. He's walking through the streets of London. And he notices all these poor people and homeless people on the streets. And he felt like God said that they're, it's hard to hear when you're hungry. And so he started a complete movement of, of bringing relief to the poor, which is now the Salvation Army. And so you'll have some groups that are over here know it's all about individual salvation. You have other groups know it's about doing good things in, in the world. But I think if Jesus is serious, it's probably not one or the other. It's probably both. And so we have a, another diagram here. To me, it's really not a debate. It shouldn't be either or. But sometimes you have some people, it's like, oh, it's got to be justice. We can't combat evil in the world first. so Or we need to combat evil in the world first so that people will believe our message. And so they allow for justice to be the engine that drives the train. And then, hey, as we start to do good in the world, then we can evangelize as well. And then you have other groups of people who are like, no, it needs to be evangelism. That lives must be transformed by the gospel first, and when the, we do that, well, then the world will just take care of itself. Everything will just be fine. We just got to get people to believe in Jesus, and then if we do that, then everything will be all right. But if you're like me, you grew up in church, and you know that's not going to work. Plenty of people will come and say the prayer, and they're still jerks the minute they walk out the door. And so how would, did Jesus do it? Well, for Jesus, it wasn't justice, and it wasn't evangelism. Go back real fast. For Jesus, the engine that drove the train was love, right? So when we allow love to be our engine, as we're moving along through our day and we see something that's a, a social justice issue, there's a system that, well, we, we help. We figure it out. We bring relief. We, we try to figure out for the best that we can to help resolve this issue. And when we allow love to be the engine that drives the train, when we come across a person that's lost, they have no hope, they have no purpose, they have no identity. Well, what do we speak good news into their lives? Does that make sense? So it's not one or the other, it's both. And it's dictated by the situation. But love is the engine that drives us in those places. Good? Yeah? Which leads to this. So if Jesus was serious, then it's not one or the other. It's both evangelism and justice that matters. Because here's the thing. God's in the business Of healing it all. God's in the business of healing it all. He's in the business of healing. That tiny small broken spot. In your soul. That nobody else knows about. He's in the business of healing that. And he's also in the business of healing. This whole cosmic universe thing. That we're part of. He's. From the very micro to the very macro, he's in the business of healing it all. So it's not one or the other. It's both. But then he continues. He did says, let your light shine before others. That they may see your good deeds and glorify your father in heaven. And so he's, he's saying, as we live this life, and as we do these things, you don't have to hide it. Let your light shine. And as you let your light shine, point to God. Point to your Father in heaven. This is why we do these types of things. The problem that we live in, or the problem with the, the world that we live in, Is that it's so self centered that it's easy to fall into the trap of living your life on display. Yeah, does that make sense? Not articulating it perfectly. We fall I'll say it like this we fall into the trap of performance. We fall into the trap of performance. What Jesus warns us here is don't fall into that trap of performance. And so, another diagram here. On the vertical axis, at the very top you have God looks good, at the very bottom it says I look good. On the horizontal axis you have on to the right, this benefits others, and to the left, it, this benefits simply me. And the question is, is, well, how do I live out my life in a righteous manner. And by the way, righteousness is simply this, living in right relationship with God and living in right relationships with other people. If you're living in right relationship with God and others, then you're living a righteous life. And so on the very bottom left, you have, I'm going to do things that make me look good and I'm going to benefit myself. And so I would say this is being trapped in sin. Where you're only doing things for yourself that benefit you and make you look good. That is living a selfish life, and selfishness leads to sin. Even here in the very bottom of this diagram, there's the verse from Matthew 6, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. Because you're going to get, you know, your glory down, but that would be it. I was watching a, someone sent me, people like to harass me about being, the, the same guy that I harassed about buying a, Alexis harasses me about being Joel Osteen. So he sent me a video the other day. He goes, and it's in a group chat. And he goes, this is Mark. And it was a video of this old pastor bragging about how he had the biggest house in Georgia. And he's the richest pastor in America and all these kinds of things. And he's he's teasing me about that. And, but I watched the video and I couldn't believe the arrogance of it and i couldn't believe the the pride of it and then he said this in at the in the in, the, video, in the, end of the end of the video he said well the reason he tells his church this he says well the reason why jesus hasn't come back yet is because you guys haven't given enough <laughs> right yeah that was my reaction as well and correlated this idea that hey if you would give to me Well, then Jesus will come back. And the Lord, of course, with these types of folks, the Lord told him to say this, so it's insanity. But what is that doing here on this? Well, it makes that person look holier than thou. God speaks to him in some sort of crazy secret way to give messages to other people. And what's it doing? Well, it's benefiting him. Right? So that's, we don't want to go there. Right? Don't go there. On the top left you have God looks good but this benefits me. And, you know, obviously we don't live, we don't want to live in that space either. On the bottom right you have I look good and this benefits others. This is, this is my own hang up but oftentimes we'll do stuff here at church and then we'll take pictures and post it on our Facebook page and it always makes me a little bit like, Ugh. Because I would rather just do good stuff and not tell anybody about it. But obviously, we want to share the good news. And obviously, we're trying to glorify God. So there's no ill intentions. But we don't want to live there either. We want to live in that sweet spot. Where we do good things for others. But we don't do it for our own benefit. We do it for God's glory. Does that make sense? And so Jesus says, let your light shine Before others. Live in such a way. That you're a benefit to the people in your life. You're blessing them. You're serving them. And when they perhaps ask. You tell them. Well I just do. Because I'm a follower of Jesus. And this is just the way that we live. And what does that do? It glorifies our father. In heaven. Does that make sense? And so. Perhaps you could say it like like this. If Jesus was serious, then we'll seek God's glory rather than our own. And, And so it's learning that when it comes to relating to this culture, we are called to be salt and to be light, to bring reconciliation to the world around us, to bless, bring benefit to others, and to speak good news, illuminating news that brings warmth to cold souls and light so that they can see. We have a very simple task, to be salt and to be light. We don't argue about which religions are right or point the finger at other people. We don't blast people on Facebook when we don't agree with them. We don't get caught up in the culture wars and the political Opinions of people, we don't, nah, that's a distraction. We are called to be salt and light, loving the people around us and pointing them to Jesus. And so the question that we were trying to answer was this question. What does it look like to be a Christian in our modern culture? And my answer is simply this. We don't just talk about it, we be about it good? You guys done? I'm done. Two questions. What's God saying to you? And what's one thing that you can do about it this week? And so we're going to take a moment to reflect on this and then we're going to share communion together. And so Holy Spirit, we ask that you come, that you speak to our hearts in these next few moments. these, uh, grab it, take it out. Every week we take part in this reminder, this rhythm, this ritual that we are welcome at Jesus' table. And it has many names. Some, some people refer to it as uh, the Lord's Supper. Some people refer to it as the Eucharist. Sometimes we refer, refer to it as, as Communion. What I find interesting is that it's not just individual them setting with Jesus, but it's them as a group setting with Jesus. And so there's that community part, that salt part, that reconciliation part, and there is that, that good news of their, with their Savior. And so everything is about this relationship up and this relationship out, right? And so every week we take part in this. And every week we pray this prayer together as a way to So glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning is now and will be forever. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and after giving thanks, he broke it and he gave it to his disciples. He said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took a cup of wine. and said, this is the blood of new covenant that's been shed for you. And he gave it to his disciples. He said, do this in remembrance of me. Later, reflecting on this, the Apostle Paul said that every time that you and I, we gather and we take this bread and we drink from this cup, we're proclaiming the Lord's death until he returns, which means we remember what Jesus did, that he was broken and poured out for the sake of the world, and we're reminded as the body of Christ, every day we are called to take part, to be broken and poured out for the people in our lives. So take the bread, look to the person next to you and say, the body of Christ, broken for you. And the cup, the blood of Christ, shed for you. All right. Amen. So I'll stand and grab hands with the person next to you if you like. If you'd like to sign our our covenant for the year, you're welcome to. There's uh, papers and stuff like that up here. And then also, if if you're uh, if you have a youth in the youth group that's planning on going to our trips, um, we're having an information meeting real fast in the cafe directly as soon as I get done praying. So good, all right, let's pray and get out of here. So Father, we just thank you for this this simple task of just simply being salt and light in this world. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts to serve the people around us. We ask that you just be with us this week. As we go, Holy Spirit, we ask that you guide and keep us. And in Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Amen. See you guys.